Good afternoon, everybody. The clock has started. It's good to see everyone here. It's good to see that there are still a, a fair number of people in the room and that uh, panel fatigue hasn't set in too badly. There are a lot of seats up front, though, if you want to get a good view. We're going to talk for the next uh, 39 minutes and 34 seconds on shipping at a capital and strategy crossroads, talking about how these two things intersect. My name is Holt Goddard. I'm a counsel at Seward & Kissel, working in capital markets, so I'm more on the finance side. I'm going to let the rest of the panelists introduce themselves for, for just a moment. A very good, uh, very good afternoon. I, I, don't know, I think this is called the graveyard slot. Um, so everybody, hopefully this will be as interesting as we can possibly make it. My name is Mark O'Neill. I'm CEO of Scholar Holdings and uh, CEO of the Columbia Group. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Krista Volpicelli. I work with Citigroup in New York. I run our maritime investment banking business. So my focus is on helping shipping companies as well as financial investors think about access to capital, uh, public capital, private capital, as well as merger and acquisition advisory. Hi, um, my name is Felix Nolke. I'm managing director at MPC Capital AG in, in Hamburg, Germany, in charge of maritime investments of the group. No? Oh, hey, there we go. Uh, my name is Mike Kirk. I'm the CEO of RMK Capital. Uh, RMK is a investment bank focused on maritime and offshore, um, everything from advisory, M&A, uh, to capital raising from common equity, debt leasing, and everything in between. Great. Thanks, everyone. So we're talking about strategy and finance and how these things work together. So I thought I'd ask Mark initially just to give us his thoughts on what of the many, and we've been discussing them all afternoon, of the many things that are uh, strategic choices and issues that are facing shipping, which are the ones that most impact finance, either on its availability or the need for it? Well, I'm going to start with a little story. Just outside Birmingham, um, beautiful city that it is, um, there is a, an intersection of motorways. I think there's about five motorways come together. Uh, and it's called the Spaghetti Junction, and it's a complete mess. And anyone who's ever driven around Birmingham, uh, this is a, a white-knuckle ride um, where you really have no idea which road you're going to end up on. The, the title of today's talk is Capital and Strategy Crossroads. Shipping is at a capital and strategy crossroads. I, the reason I make that analogy at the start is I don't think we're at a crossroads at all. A crossroads suggests a fairly easy choice. You go forward, right, or left. I think shipping is at a capital and strategy spaghetti junction. Not only that, the spaghetti junction has no road markings. The spaghetti junction has no speed control, and the spaghetti junction has no traffic lights. And we, as players in this industry, have to try to come up with a strategy in that landscape uh, and also decide how we deploy capital and not just for the, the, the short term but for the medium and long term. What factors affect the strategy 
decisions. Well, firstly, the geopolitical uncertainty that was talked about at the end of the last panel. We have a number of wars going on, not just local conflicts, but serious wars that could escalate at any stage. We have a number of massively important elections that have either taken place with odd results or about to take place with probably odd results, um, most notably the, the US. We have alliances and allegiances that are changing and the world is being divided into the North group, the South group, the East, the West, the White, the Gray and the Dark. Sounds like something from uh, Lord of the Rings but allegiances and alliances are, are changing. And then we have the China-Taiwan situation and of course the, the market in China, the appetite, the Chinese appetite changing too. We have uh, shipping being weaponized like never before. And uh, you know, I was surprised on the last panel they didn't mention that, but shipping has never been targeted in the way it is now being targeted. targeted. You've seen uh, uh, the Houthis uh, firing missiles at, uh, at ships, we've seen sh the, the spread of sanctions. So shipping is really in trade in the wider context is being um, weaponized. We also see the, the gradual um, change from, sh from a, a, a dedicated shipping sector, the marginalization of that sector into a logistics sector many of the biggest shipping companies are becoming logistics companies. They're investing in terminals, they're buying haulage companies, they're buying uh, airlines, uh, etc. So shipping as a dedicated sector is being marginalized and absorbed into uh, the wider logistics sector. Maybe that's, that's a good thing, but it's a massive influence on capital deployment. And then we have the whole decarbonization alternative fuels debate. I think, personally, too much attention is being given to decarbonization and alternative fuels. A um, bit like when digitalization first came out, everyone was talking about nothing else except digitalization in this business. Other sectors have a much wider lens and are looking at these challenges um, uh, uh, through those lens. So decarbonization, alternative fuels is uh, also uh, a huge factor on the deployment of uh, capital. And then, to top it all, we lack a single strategic voice in this industry, in this sector. We lack a single IT platform in this sector. If you look at the aircraft sector, it has a single IT backbone. We don't have a single IT backbone in this sector. We don't have a single voice in this sector. We don't have a single anything in this sector. And against that backdrop, we have to decide on our strategy and in deciding upon that strategy how we deploy uh, our capital. And capital is something that we all have in abundance because fortunately, uh, as was said, the, the, the dirty secret is that this uncertainty normally assists shipping in making uh, a good return. So we have the capital, we have to decide uh, the strategy. So very, very difficult to do that uh, at the present date. Thank you, Mark. Krista, uh, he's talked about the strategy piece. Can you help us out with the finance piece? Tell us, tell us how, how we are doing in the financial markets, but also how the financial markets are viewing some of these stra strategic challenges that uh, Mark mentioned. 
So everything that Mark just talked about certainly uh, makes it quite interesting in my business, and my business is helping users of capital find the capital that they need. Um, and in the midst of everything going on geopolitically and with the mega trends that are shaping the shipping industry, specifically energy transition and digitization, we've also been, we have come out of an environment after the pandemic that we had been living in for a very long time where interest rates were very low, access to capital was really quite cheap. And then we've gone through this period with interest rates rising, inflation rising. When you think about running a shipping company and how do you generate returns for your shareholders, you know, number one is do you have a platform that you can position your business to make money for your shareholders? Do you have the right customers? Do you have the right integration in terms of value proposition? But then it comes down to have you bought your assets well? Do you have the right assets? And what is your cost of capital? And we've been in this environment where shipyard prices are going up. Owners don't know how to price residual value risk in the midst of energy transition. And cost of capital has been going up. And as we talk to equity providers, there's been, you know, over the last 20 years, we have seen shipping finance migrate from one that was predominantly bank and relationship driven to one where now you have a wealth of alternatives. You have the public equity markets, you have private capital markets, which continue to grow. We just had the panel on alternative capital sources. But in the world that we've been living in with interest rates going up, you have equity providers say, well, if I can go invest in credit at high single digits, why would I invest in equity at that kind of return? So cost of capital is going up for everyone. Um, now, as we think about capital that has been coming into the industry, we're you know, in the midst of everything that's been happening. The good news is, is many shipping companies across different sectors have been making a lot of money um, because shipping can make money when the world is volatile. Um, but you have seen overall a backdrop where capital markets issuance across debt and equity has been very low for the past couple of years. Now we have seen a resurgence in that um, starting in the fourth quarter of last year and, and we feel better about 2024. Why? Because there is now starting to be um, convergence with a view that interest rates are going to start to come back down middle of this year. So we do see overall a better backdrop, a more conducive backdrop to finding capital, but the cost of capital is higher for ship owners. Felix and Mike, I'll, I'll invite you to react to what you've heard from these two, if you'd like. No, sure. Thank you very much. Um, so first of all, picking up on what Mark mentioned, um, very much agreed that capital and the strategy ultimately are so intertwined, it kind of, the one doesn't exist without the other, and your strategy very much is independence on that. At the same time, also echoing a little bit from what, what Krista just mentioned, um, I'll be a bit disagreeing in terms of the availability of capital because I've, I think we've seen a strong resurgence when it comes to the availability of bank financing and some old players coming back with force and bank financing becoming more attractive compared to also what we've seen uh, in terms of capital markets availability at least when it comes to the to the debt capital markets at, as even though we might have seen a resurgence in the Norwegian market in terms of issuance activity of, of bonds and unsecured bonds. But for us, also on the private side, um, and representing not MPC container ships, but the capital AG side, we've seen a strong resurgence in willingness of banks to lend, and therefore also providing 
um, flexibility in terms of the type of transactions that we would like to pursue as a group. Uh, and then echoing also that the availability and cash generation in terms of equity generation during the last couple of years has been strong, therefore not needing or not being able to, to access public capital markets has been a strength uh, of the group in itself or of the industry. There we go. Yeah, so I think the, it's not that anything's been normalized because you know, we've already talked about some of the geopolitical risks, but I think what is sort of said in a little bit is that you know, a lot of shipping companies have made a lot of money, you know, debt levels are, are at you know, more comfortable levels, that's allowed banks to come in. I think the, some of the regular wage stuff works like you'd want it to. So now the question is, you know, some of the alternative capital, um, the hedge fund capital, people that were able to come in, you know, in 16, in 19 and 20, in certain sectors and just have what I think is pretty low risk bets. I think those are gone. So I'm just curious to see what's going to happen as things normalize, as people want to raise money, um, what it looks like. Because I think the some of the obvious plays are, are, are not going to be there. But does this feel like we does, is this 2008? Or is this more like, you know, 2005 when there was still a lot of run left? Um, I tend to think it's more the latter. I think there's a lot of run left. Um, and then just kind of speaking a little bit about the public companies, you know, the, the public market cap is pretty sizable right now. I assume it's probably the largest it's ever been. Uh, for the shipping sector more broadly, and what are companies going to do now? The difference between now and 07, 08 was when you had companies trading above NAV, it was easy to go out and issue equity. Right now, companies are creeping up close to NAV, certain companies are there. Um, the question is, will we see people raise equity, do ship for share deals, and we've seen some of it? Because you can imagine a world where if some of the larger listed companies and maybe some of the smaller listed companies do some things to get a little bit bigger, it's already really difficult to IPO. And if the current group of companies just gets bigger, more liquid, I think it's going to make it even more challenging for the newcomers. So I think 2024 in particular is going to be a really interesting year for what the people that don't necessarily need to do anything, because there's not many people in shipping that need to do anything, what they strategically decide to do, and then how the capital thinks about that, where it comes in, how it invests, um, and that's really what we're paying attention uh, this year on. Thank you. I, it would be interesting to think a little bit, too, from both a strategy and a finance standpoint, you know, where does shipping stand more, more broadly and strategically, um, you know, for its customers and for its financers? Mark? Well, I think, um, I think something we've all got to remember is, is shipping is not just about ships. And when we're talking about strategy and when we're talking about investment of capital, we don't have to just think about investing in uh, the, the, the physical asset of the ship. The, the wonderful thing about our industry is that it's a very dynamic, creative, fertile playing field. And a lot of solutions that you see in other sectors start in the, shipping, uh, in the shipping sector and the shipping uh, adventure. Uh, within the Columbia Group, we've seen, um, 
we've seen the benefit of this as we leverage away from being just, in inverted commas, uh, a, a ship management company probably about four years ago to what we now describe ourselves as a, an integrated maritime, logistics, leisure, and energy company. And shipping feeds naturally into those areas. Uh, and the inventiveness and the creativity and the dynamic uh, approach that people in the shipping industry have feed into those other areas. So we see many, many IT solutions springing up in the shipping industry which can be applied uh, in other sectors. We see uh, many solutions in services that can be applied to other sectors. So there is huge scope for capital investment in these services around the traditional shipping space. And that's one of the reasons we started our incubator fund, Galactic Beacon, which some of you will have uh, read about. And we've been deluged, uh, bombarded with uh, fantastic ideas uh, for new companies and new products. And we have Columbia Finance and Ahorn Capital to provide the capital and the financing uh, for those new products when they reach a, a stage of maturity. But it really is an amazing industry we live and work in, and it's not all about ships. Uh, Krista, how do, the, how do the people providing the finance see shipping within sort of a broader transportation logistics? Um, so I'll, I'll talk about maybe the, the equity side um, okay. first. I think that so I think you have to look at individual sectors. There's sectors such as container shipping, which as Mark talked about, have really, you know, that sector has consolidated. So you have the top eight liners controlling 90% of the trade. They have been diversifying their businesses to get closer to the customers uh, through logistics, through ports, et cetera. Um, and then you look at other sectors which are more commodity oriented, such as tankers and dry bulk. I would say equity investors, um, you know, there, there's different types of equity investors. The, the cyclicality that is inherent in the commodity sectors of shipping is one that does make it difficult in the public markets. Um, you know, Michael talked about it. I think, you know, we're at a very different time in terms of access to public capital for shipping. I think it is harder for tanker and dry bulk companies that are smaller to be accessing public equity capital in an effective way. I think you've seen more equity capital providers on the private side invest at opportunistic times in individual fleets of assets where they believe that there's a value play. And then I think if you look at um, some of the more contracted sectors of shipping, so maybe LNG shipping, um, containers, um, et cetera, there you have seen um, infrastructure capital, so private infrastructure capital funds find some of those investments very attractive. You have seen many of the larger LNG shipping companies, FSRU companies, uh, last year the only two US listed container lessors uh, were taken private both by infrastructure funds. So you're seeing private capital, uh, which is looking at some of the contracted asset classes that have long-term contracts and good, stable, sticky businesses um, attracted there, you're seeing the public markets, I would say, starting to see a bigger differentiation between the larger and the smaller companies. And then I think you're seeing opportunistic equity providers in a, in a private sense uh, with some of the commodity-oriented sectors. 
Yeah, and, and something you said reminded me of, of something uh, Mike had mentioned earlier, and I appreciate his and Felix's view on this. So larger versus smaller companies, or maybe established companies versus newer companies, there are a lot of companies out there that can raise capital because uh, they're big, because they're very cash flow positive. There are some, some newer people who are finding the markets very challenging. Uh, any thoughts, uh, Mike or Felix, on that? Um, no, I, I would actually say it's, uh, I very much echo what Chris just said, but it's just summing it up in terms of if you are a maritime investor, ultimately the flexibility in terms of which markets you're going to access to are going to be key, right? So one, that in terms of speed, you might actually be in a much better position to access private deals, direct smaller club type deals to do transactions, which will enable you to turn around in two, three weeks and not go through the, through the whole process of a listing or a public, uh, public transaction. So I think flexibility uh, and versatility are definitely the drivers in terms of making sure you will be able to capitalize in the best possible way. Yeah, and I think the size um, issue in raising money, it, 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 can, it can get a little bit exaggerated. Um, you know, I think if you're, if there's some very small companies maybe where it's tough just simply because ships are expensive, so if you want to raise enough capital to be useful, that just happens to be a big part of the overall cap structure. But once you get over a certain amount that, you know, I don't think is too high, um, I think it can be very idiosyncratic. And there are some small companies that trade better than the big guys and, and vice versa. And then, you know, there's strategy and management that, that come into play. Um, you know, I, I think also at the very, very larger levels, you know, where you're trading 30 plus million dollars a day and you've got a two plus billion dollar market cap, it does make it easier for the larger funds. Um, which if they want to invest is a really good thing. I guess if they're in there and they want to exit, maybe it's not such a good thing. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the capital raising, it's not a sort of a straight line between large and small. I think just to, to dovetail off um, what Krista was saying, the, uh, I think there's some new, new investors in shipping, um, certainly. So she had mentioned infrastructure funds, I think no question. And I think a lot of the people that have gone through the, the tough years Things look kind of expensive. Is this really the time I want to step in? But I think people are kind of, that are newer, you know, I was getting texts from people that, you know, I hadn't talked to in years when, uh, was it the Ever Given that was stuck in the Suez Canal? And then, you know, all the port congestion, now stuff in the Red Sea. It's just a lot more topical in the front pages of the FT than it, than it was for a very long time. So that's gotten people to take a look. Obviously, there's been some very good share price performance in certain sectors um, over the last couple years. That tends to get eyeballs on it. So I think there's, there's more investors that are coming in and people that have come in have done very well. And so I think that bodes well for a nice setup that might not be the usual suspects that have been in it for the last decade, but maybe a new crop of investors, um, especially ones that have, uh, have already made some money the last few years. I think as well, um, the, the sector as a whole is very uh, adept at trying to find solutions for its problems within the sector. And uh, we've got to remember that although we ship 90% of the world's goods, um, we're a tiny, tiny 
sector in, in the, the overall uh, industrial and commercial landscape. And we stress perhaps too much about some of these problems and try to find solutions internally. I think it's time, particularly I would have thought for the, for the major capital providers, to urge the sector to look outside for solutions. Um, if you look at the car industry, the car industry knows what it's doing. It's the European car industry is going down the carbon capture route, which is why it's bailed out of the electric vehicles. It can never win that battle. So carbon capture, and, and uh, uh, if you speak to people in the uh, car industry, particularly the European car industry, they've known this for many years. Uh, most of the uh, engine manufacturers for vessels are owned by the major car uh, industry, industry players. Um, so they will be producing carbon capture uh, solutions for our vessels. So again, look outside, look outside our sector. On the IT side, we're the only sector um, which doesn't seem to have a common IT backbone. So a vessel can't easily talk to a port, can't easily talk to a terminal, can't link with haulage, can't link with airlines, etc. The airline industry has a common IT backbone. Everyone can talk to one another. Airports can talk to air airlines, can talk to planes, can talk to passengers. Uh, and we're seeing the airline industry now link with the cruise industry so that a passenger who checks into Heathrow can board his or her cruise ship in the Mediterranean and walk into their room and their luggage will be there. How fantastic would that be if we could do that in our industry? And that's important for capital investment, I think, and in, in, in putting your strategy together. Um, so I think there's big changes coming in this industry, and I think those changes need to be factored in uh, into our strategies and into our capital investments uh, for the future. I, I just add one thing that Mark made me think of. Um, so, Mark, your comment that you know, as a as an industry, we need to be creative and think about solutions. And you know, you talked about you know your new incubator fund. I, if if you actually look across the sector, many of the big shipping groups have started groups that are providing early stage funding to shipping companies that are focused on new technologies. And I think that's pretty exciting because it's, you know, it's, it's clearly a trend in our industry. Nicholas has you know, some of these companies here today and you're starting to see more and more visibility and you're seeing the big shipping groups, ship managers, ship owners, put their own capital behind it. And I think that that is very much needed um, to help the industry with the overall transition. And so that private early stage capital is something that we are seeing uh, more and more of. And in fact, Citigroup, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time in, in the public markets, but we have invested over the last several years in terms of building up our private capital markets team across all industries. So this is, you know, not just shipping, but, but many, many other industries. And what I will say is what's happening, shipping is lagging some of the other industrial sectors in terms of attracting early stage investment. But as some of the big credible shipping groups are starting to have their own funds, we're also seeing you know, some true external private VC early stage investors start to get interested. So that's, I would say, an emerging space where you know, we're certainly spending some time. It's very early days, but I think the fact that you know, what Mark has started and, and other um, teams is pretty interesting for capital formation as well. Okay. Um, we, we have talked a little bit about sort of 
established companies, newer companies that are working on emerging technologies, Krista, you were talking about the venture capital angle. If you are sort of a new company, an emerging company, how do you differentiate yourself to get the, get the attention of the capital markets and, and to position yourself to get the investments that you need? I think it depends what you're talking about. If, if we're talking about um, technology companies, I think how you position yourselves to get to the public markets is you just have to build up privately first and you have to get traction with big shipping companies. You have to start to build that revenue base and that trajectory. So um, I'd say for kind of traditional ship owners, um, I, personally, I think the bar is higher in terms of private shipping companies coming to the public markets. Um, you need to have differentiation in terms of what you do. I don't think we're going to see, you know, a five-ship tanker company um, doing an IPO, for example, which happened before the financial crisis because we were in crazy times and investors were, um, you know, paying crazy multiples off the back of, you know, very strong dividend yields. So I think that for kind of a traditional shipping company, it's all about the differentiation, what is the growth plan, uh, raising equity in the public markets is about delivering growth for your shareholders. Um, and then for the earlier stage technology companies, it's about building up that book of business uh, in terms of a, a credible plan um, with established companies. I think, uh, you know, one of the advantages of coming through 2008 and the whole financial crisis that went with it, as an industry, as a sector, we've become extremely proficient and adept at financial modeling and business modeling. And uh, whether that's uh, buying a number of ships and, and uh, looking at their life cycle and how they're going to be traded and, and the, the, the various employments that they, will be, that they will secure, or whether it's one of these new ideas that we take through our incubator, uh, Galactic Beacon or whatever other fund it might be, financial modeling as a sector, we do it extremely well. Um, so again, that's why I say it's not just about ships. Uh, I think we need to um, you know, lift our eyes up and look over the uh, traditional horizon. Okay, we've got uh, just a few minutes left, so I want to give the panelists a chance to leave us with some parting thoughts, make sure they've been able to impart uh, the things they wanted to talk about today. Uh, should I start with you, Felix? Do you feel <laughs> prepared to help sum up for us? I'm sure, yeah. Um, so I think a lot has, was mentioned today, and I think it was a very good summary in terms of uh, strategy, capital allocation. Uh, generally speaking, also picking up on the last topic, um, differentiation I think is key, but it's very difficult to achieve in this market um, or in this industry in general. So it's, it really depends on sticking and creating a strategy from day one uh, and then also having the ability and focus to also stick to that, to create credibility not only with your lenders, but also with your, um, with your equity partners, with your co-investors, with your shareholders. And um, I think that, at least for our group, that has proven to be uh, a key success factor over the recent years, and also when considering um, downturns and, and following through through the downturns and then keeping shareholders but also lenders on your side. So I think capital and strategy go intertwined, and um, for that, that form of credibility is key. 
Yeah, I'm interested to see what this year does with the, the public equity markets in, in particular. And, um, you know, we always think about NAV, that's kind of the, the metric that everyone first looks to, or I think what, what I look to first and have for a long time. But that's a spot in time number. And so if you look at, you know, NAV's per share right now on any kind of historical basis, if we think about the tanker space in particular, you know, you're talking about being, you know, 85, 90%, depends on if you want to take 15 years, 20 years, inflation adjusted, not. But you're at a pretty high level. So I'll be curious, we see the companies, maybe they don't quite trade at NAV, maybe they have to take a discount to do an issuance, but are they going to issue shares now thinking, hey, over the long haul, this is actually a pretty good time to raise money. And, you know, if you just use cash, you're, you are buying chips again at that same level, so you're buying chips expensively. But if you use shares, it, it, uh, it might be an interesting way to do it. And again, just kind of create some further separation between you and either others in the public market or you and potentially new competitors. So I'm just curious to see how that plays out. Um, and we'll be keeping an eye on that this year. I guess um, my concluding thoughts would be that the capital markets are now opening. The equity markets are open, the convertible markets are open, the bond markets are open. Cost of capital is still somewhat higher than it was in the past, but it's coming back down. Uh, many of our shipping clients are in positions where they don't need to raise capital, and that's a great position to be in. And they've been very focused on capital allocation, positioning themselves for growth, and positioning themselves for you know when all of these events that are happening in the world suddenly change and surprise us, and the environment um, turns very quickly. Um, so it's very hard to make predictions in this industry. Um, one thing I can say about uh, being a banker in this industry for a pretty long time is that uh, when you need to raise capital, uh, the markets aren't typically there in uh, the most cost-effective way. So I do think that uh, at a time when shipping companies are starting to trade a bit better, the markets are open, um, it could be an interesting time to think about raising some capital, but I think it has to be done in conjunction with, you know, what is the strategy for deploying that, whether it is balance sheet optimization or, or growth, which ultimately is what shareholders are looking for. Look, I, I, I think we all accept the capital uh, is there, but uh, so is the spaghetti junction. And uh, it would be perhaps a foolhardy uh, investor that invested that capital um, at this particular time in ships, necessarily. Uh, I think, for me, uh, uh, certainly, the, the most important geopolitical factor looming is the US election. Um, if uh, ex-President Trump gets back in, then I think we could see uh, seismic plates shift and uh, the whole world's renewable strategies uh, shift. Uh, his, his stated uh, political aim is drill, 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 and how does that pan out for shipping and the, the, the accepted trade routes over the last uh, eight years? I, I really don't know, uh, or the last four years. So I, I think that's one of the most important uh, of the geopolitical factors facing us, and until that is clear, we really, um, we're right in the middle of that spaghetti junction as far as investing capital uh, in ships is concerned. Okay. Well, 
Thank you very much, everyone. We're a little under time, but I don't think we're going to get a lot of complaints this late in the day. So unless anyone has any other way to sum up, that, I think that'll end the presentation. Thank you.